In our reading from Luke, we hear that you will stand before the Son of Man. I say that again. That's the message for today's lesson, that you will stand before the Son of Man. In fact, that's the message of Advent. Jesus who came once will come again, and you will stand before the Son of Man. Do these words excite you or scare you? You will stand before the Son of Man. Let's be honest. Who does it scare a little bit? Right? You will stand before the Son of Man. All of us, we get scared of that. Why? Because, because I think I'm looking around. Everyone who raised their hand, you were the kids who got called to the principal's office, weren't you, when you were a kid? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, some of you were. <laughs> It's because we saw those apocalyptic movies. It's because we, we hear in the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed that he'll come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. We hear those words, and for some reason these words, you will stand before the Son of God, have been bent so that we hear them as law, that we hear them as, uh-oh, you better make sure, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town, you better make sure you're naughty or you're nice and not naughty, right? We hear these words as if we think God's coming with judgment. But is that exactly what Jesus is saying in this passage? I don't think so. Because remember, who is saying these words? You will stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is saying these words. And when does Jesus say these words? The day before he goes and dies on the cross and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so these words, you will stand before the Son of God, aren't words that are meant to be law, not meant to condemn us. Instead, these are words that are meant to give us hope, give us confidence, give us strength, give us joy. And so let's hear this passage again, mindful that it's Jesus who's talking, sweet Jesus, who loves us, who died on the cross for us. Let's hear these words as we think and think about Jesus, sweet Jesus. Verse 27. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin oh, to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In this passage, there are four admonitions, four things that we have to do. In the beginning, verse 28 says... When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads. The next one is in 29, look at the fig tree. The next one then is at 34, be careful. And then 36, be always on the watch. So that's how you divide up this passage. The Son of Man's coming, these four admonitions, and then the Son of Man's coming. You'll stand before the Son of Man. Okay, so that first admonition says to us, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now, in a different translation, that word isn't stand up, it's straighten up. Which word do you like better, stand up or straighten up? Stand up, right? Because we think straighten up means be moral, right? Get your life together. But in this passage, this word, straighten up or stand up, is a word about posture. It's saying, stand tall, lift up your head, have confidence. The Son of Man is coming. This isn't clean up your house, the Son of Man is coming. 
It's have confidence. Don't be bent low. Don't be discouraged about it. Have confidence the Son of Man is coming. Well, how in the world can we have confidence that the Son of Man is coming? Well, we hear in this very verse, because your redemption is drawing near. What does the Son of Man bring with him on that day? Our redemption. He comes to redeem this place, this holy mess that we live in. He's going to make it whole. He's going to make this thing wonderful. When Jesus comes, he brings with him redemption. He doesn't bring with him a magnifying glass that says, ooh, I can't wait to look at each of your sins. He doesn't bring with him a huge gavel that says, guilty, guilty, guilty. When Jesus comes, the Son of Man comes, he comes and what follows him? Redemption, forgiveness, wholeness, new life. And so it says, stand tall, lift up your head, because the Son of Man is coming and he brings redemption. Second admonition is this, verse 29 and following. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. When was the last time in Luke's gospel did we hear about the fig tree? Do you remember? Any of you remember? The fig tree was a fig tree and it didn't produce anything. And so, oh, no, not, that's in a different one. About, it was the parable. He said, there's a fig tree, it doesn't produce any fruit. And so what should you do with a fig tree that doesn't produce any fruit? You should cut it off. However, is that what the vine dresser does? No, he loves the fig tree too much. And so he says, you got to put manure on it. You have to fertilize it. You got to wash it. You got to care for it. Why? So that this fig tree will produce fruit. Well, obviously it worked because now it's the next time we hear about this parable. And now we hear that this uh, fig tree is producing leaves. God has been working. This fig tree is producing leaves, green leaves, which means it's about time for fruit to occur. Now, this is important because Jesus is going to say, look, it's about time. You need to be alert because Jesus you know, will come again. It's closer today than tomorrow. But there's more to this lesson than just that it's close. What does fig trees produce? Figs. Good. We got, okay, one person's awake. Praise the Lord. In that day, you didn't have sweetener. You didn't have sugar to make your sweet cakes. Guess what they used? Figs, right? And so when it's, when it's harvest time, he's saying, when the Son of God comes, it's like a fig tree producing figs, which means it's dessert time. It means get the cakes ready, get the breads ready, get the lamb ready, and pour the sweet sauce over it because it's a party. Even more, it's summertime is when the harvest comes. So it's summertime, so get the bikini out, go to the beach, and then have a feast. That's the lesson of the fig tree, that when the Son of Man comes, have confidence, stand tall, look up, and have joy. Why? Because a party is about to happen. In fact, the lamb being prepared, that's the very next day. Jesus dying on the cross. And so be careful, be alert. Look up. 
Have confidence. When the Son of Man comes, the party is about ready to come. It's here. When I was a boy, we had an apricot tree. And I loved this apricot tree. My brother and I would, would get up. When, and the apricots, you know, they, they'd bloom. I mean, they, the fruit would be hard. And then that one day you'd bite into it and it's just perfectly sweet. And you only had about two weeks of that. And so my brother and I would get up in the morning. We'd eat apricots all day long. Now, that posed a problem because we ate so many apricots. <laughs> but you only had two weeks to enjoy it. And then it was gone. One summer, we went on a vacation. And we didn't go on a lot of vacations when I was growing up. But one summer, we went. And we went for a long time. When we came back, our apricot tree had had all, it, everything had ripened. And it had all fallen to the ground. And we missed out on that delicious, wonderful fruit. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is saying here in these following admonitions when he says, be careful, be watchful. Why? Because when the Son of Man comes, it's going to be a party. It's going to be wonderful. Have joy, have confidence. He's coming. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to be outside of this. Be watchful because it's good. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. Be alert. Be ready. In fact, in the following verses, 34 through 36, we hear the final two admonitions. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you might be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So the final two admonitions is be, be careful, be alert. Why? Because Jesus knows how life is. He knows that all of us get weighed down by the anxieties of life. Remember the parable of the sower? The seed that was sown, it started to sprout, and then it got choked by the cares of this world. Well, all of us know how the cares of the world work. Right? You get busy with life, you get busy with work, you get busy with family, and before you know it, everything about God becomes cloudy. It becomes not as clear. God's, God's love and righteousness isn't as clear to us. Just this, last, this morning, Priscilla asked me. She said to me, she said, hey, did you get any sleep last night? And I said, I never get any sleep because I have three daughters. It's true. I never get sleep. I tell you, I, I long for the day I get, I'll get an actual night's sleep. I said, but in 10 years, the youngest one will be 10, and I'll be fine. Priscilla laughed at me. She said, you think you're going to get sleep in 10 years? Abby will be 14. <laughs> I said, well, then 20 years. She said, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You're never going to get sleep again. I sat there, oh. But that's how it works, right? The anxieties of this world, the anxieties of life, they, they so weigh upon us, jobs and family and everything else, that we get distracted. When we look at those things, we see how busy life is, and we begin to say, God, how can you be good? Or, or you see your own sin because you get stuck in it, and you go, I'm such a sinner. Jesus coming back. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. We get so busy, so worked up that we forget that the person saying these words is sweet Jesus. 
who was born in a manger, who forgave sinners, who died on a cross. Sweet Jesus, who loves you, who has, who's, who's going to prepare, prepare a place for you. Sweet Jesus. Jesus knows that we get busy. He knows that we get distracted, that life gets cloudy, as the passage says. And so he says, be careful. Be watchful. Why? Because you might forget that it's sweet Jesus who's coming for you. This, this morning, I was going to print my sermon out. I was, it was early. I'm never done early. It's 8 o'clock. Phil's always usually coming in, and I'm trying to type. I was done. I was so excited because we had David here who was visiting, and I was going to get time to talk with him. I pushed the print button. It's actually before 8 o'clock. Nothing's printing. So then I'm running to all the, the printers. I'm plugging it into my computer, printing. Nothing's printing. So my sermon tonight, today, is on the back of our little budget. It's just some little scribbles up here. Because I couldn't print it. I even was so desperate, I have to admit this. I opened up the printing machine, the copy machine. I put my laptop face down on the page. <laughs> and I pushed print. Just black. So it doesn't work that way. I wish, I hope I didn't ruin my computer. But here we have a visitor, one I wanted to, to visit with, to talk with. I was so excited. And then the distractions of life happened. My computer wasn't printing. I was running around. I'm meeting this man, and I'm, I'm doing all these wires. That's what Jesus is saying. The Son of Man's coming back. This is good news. It's going to be a party. The fruit's ripe. It's time. And what happens? We get drunk with anxiety. We get so clouded that we miss the point. And we all do it. You and me, I'm the pastor of the church and I do it. I did it this very morning that I was preaching on it to not do it. Thank you, Carol, for that. I, <laughs> I finally got someone to laugh at this service. Jesus knows this. And so we as a church gather once a Sunday or once a week, gather to be reminded of what we already know, that we have a good Lord who loves you, who's forgiven you, who cares for you. We begin the service with a confession. Why? So you can hear the good news that you're forgiven. We share the Lord's Supper so that you know that this gift is for you because we forget, we get distracted, we lose our way. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, church, stand up. Be confident. Have joy in your heart. Be careful. Be alert. Because it's good. But you might just get distracted. Don't get distracted. That's what Jesus is saying in this verse. But I know what you're thinking. You're going, is that really what he's saying? Can we really believe that? I mean, it, it, we, it should be more, I think it's more condemnation than, than gracious. How can we really believe that, that Jesus' words here are gracious words? 
Well, the answer is in verse 32 through 33. Let me read it to you. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Your anxieties will pass away. Your sin will pass away. That mortgage that worries you so much will pass away. Your, fa- your daughter driving a car, that fear and anxiety will pass away. But what doesn't pass away? God's word. His words will never pass away. Words that we hear all throughout Luke. Words such as this, his very first sermon. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Those words never pass away. Or when Jesus saw a paralytic man come down, lowered into his room, Jesus says to this man, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees go, how can he forgive? Who's he to forgive sins? And Jesus says, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose. God's word will remain forever. Or in chapter 7, to a woman who who anointed Jesus' feet with her own tears. And everyone said, who is this? Jesus replies, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You do not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Or think about the leper. What does Jesus say to the leper? Be clean. Or the woman hemorrhaging. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Or to a little girl who's dead, Jesus says, Talitha kum, little girl, arise. Those words are the words that show us the heart of who Jesus is. We have a loving God, a forgiving God, a gracious God, a God who's willing to put on flesh, die on a cross to say he loves you. You do not have to be afraid of him. You do not have to be afraid of his coming again. He will come again. You will stand before him and it will be wonderful because he will look at you and say, my child, arise, you are new. My child, come with me. I have a new place for you. My child, oh, you have so much sin. I have more forgiveness. My child, you have so much doubt. I have enough faith for you. My child, you do not have any riches. I have all eternity, all of heaven for you. Those words which he spoke, which show who he is, those words never pass away. 
And so child of God, children of God, you can stand before the Son of Man with confidence, with joy, because it's sweet Jesus who's coming. He's the lamb. The feast is prepared. It's summertime. The fruit is good. It's time for the party. So rejoice. You will stand before the Son of God. And amen for that. Now, one final word that I forgot until the very end of my sermon on the, the morning service. There's one last word I want to share with you. Why do we do then evangelism? Why do we do world missions? If, if, if we're invited to the party, why not just come to the party? And the answer is because the party's so good that we want as many people as possible. The feast is so wonderful that we go out into the highways and byways. Why? Because that's how we came in. And so we go out to the ends of the earth, to the corner on McFadden. And we go out and we bring them in. Why? Because Jesus' feast, there's enough to go around for everyone. He who turned a few loaves of bread and fish into a, a feast with more to spare has a great feast for all of us and then some. So go to the highways and byways. Bring them in. The Son of Man is coming back. It'll be a great and glorious day. Better than any Christmas you've ever had. You will stand before the Son of Man. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.